0: The nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host,
1: Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, fast, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan. If you would like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862 207 Today, I am excited to be speaking with Tom Phillips uh, from TL Phillips Consulting Services. Mr. Phillips is is the executive principal for TL Phillips Consulting Services, which provides strategic and high-level professional management support to nonprofit and government organizations. He has almost 40 years of experience in management support, strategic planning, resource development, public policy advocacy, board governance, project development, and collective impact collaborations. Mr. Phillips previously served more than 15 years as the president and CEO of Capital Workforce Partners, a $24 million regional workforce development board. Mr. Phillips has an extensive history of civic leadership, having won numerous awards from the National Association of Workforce Development Professionals and National Workforce Association. Mr. Phillips has an MBA from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, an MPA from the University of Hartford, Hartford, and a BA in Public Administration from from Central Connecticut State University. Tom, welcome to the nonprofit MBA podcast.
0: Thanks, Steve. Glad to be here.
1: So today's topic, what we're going to talk about is: is your nonprofit board bored or on board, and the importance of a, a pushback board? And and before we got on air a little bit, you know, Tom and I were talking a little bit about uh, the overall and general leadership. Uh, that's going on in our country right now, which is a, you know, really rough time for, for regardless of what side you're on, I think. Um, And, and to Tom, you know, that kind of fits into the idea of, you know, either an executive director having to work with a board that they're having problems with from a leadership perspective or a board having a a problem with a nonprofit uh, from a leadership perspective. I, it kind of goes hand in hand, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it does. And I, and I think it's, um, you know, part of this, it's like a leadership void. And, and with the pandemic, obviously, it's uh, created a ton of new issues. But leadership, whether it be the executive director, CEO of the board, president or leadership of the board, can instead of just looking at a reactive kind of a situation, they can look at this as an opportunity and be very proactive. So I think the pandemic gives everybody an opportunity to step back and do a full assessment uh, of their whole board uh, uh, governance and development uh, uh, framework that they have.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, I mean there's so many so much we can talk about today, and I hope we get to it. The the um, you know I think the example of what's going on in the country has really shown nonprofit leaders how important leadership really is. I mean, I think prior to this, would you agree that? Uh, that maybe we didn't pay as much attention about our own leadership style as, as, as we, as, as we do now.
0: No, I I think that's hundred percent right. And I think that's the, you know, the step back assessment um, to, to say, all right, we have to deal with the situation that's been put in front of us, whether it's cuts to funding uh, regulatory issues or whatever else is out there. But um, again, um, if you have a good strategic uh, plan foundation that you're really uh, working from as a blueprint, that's driving your mission and your vision in the organization, then how is it you can take the leadership skills that you have and how do you build those leadership skills of your board so that you're in, you're in lockstep with one another to really push through you know, these, these challenging times, but also, again, look at these challenging times as, as positive problems that, that certainly provide some opportunities for, for the organization.
1: So uh, let's take the first part of our topic today, and that is, um, is your nonprofit board bored? So, do you think it's a, that's a very common occurrence? In other words, is if if you look at ten boards, and would you say that fifty percent of the time, ten percent of the time, the board is bored?
0: Yes, I would say it might even be higher than that. Because really, yeah, I, I'm on a couple of boards, and uh, you know, I'm on their governance committee, so I'm trying to help them with this. But again. Um, It's one of these things where there's not engagement and not not opportunities for the board members to, you know, talk about a particular topic, a challenge, or an opportunity, but to just have it be like a show and tell of just going down the agenda and and having, you know, reports done by by staff and by the ED, Um, you know, it it's board members are going to sit there and say, well, why am I here? Um, If if I thought I was brought on to really be an asset to the organization, that's why I'm giving my time. How are you going to utilize? me as an asset for your organization to support your mission. You
1: know, what's interesting is like, I belong to a group of guys uh, who um, have have owned their own businesses and we've been together for 20 years. And we have the same issue on that committee, on that committee, you know, that group where we're bored. And I think it comes down to, um, when I say we're bored, we're bored in our meeting because, and it always comes down to who's running the meeting. Because if you if we have a leader who's running the meeting who's really good at running meetings, then we're not bored, right? So is it, you think the, the, the same thing happens in a nonprofit with a with their board?
0: Oh, absolutely. But again, I think one of the issues is you know when I say in that title is your board, board or on board. To be on board, yeah. you've got to be able to have the knowledge to be an, an effective uh, board participant and to be engaged. Um, and if you're not, if your board members don't have that knowledge base to really understand not only the organization, but also the system that the organization is operating within um, and all the other stakeholders that are out there, um, it really makes it difficult for them to, even if they wanted to, um, to, to be effective and proactive.
1: So who's, who's at fault here? Is it the executive director or is it the, 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 the person who's head of the board?
0: I kind of put it for both of them. Uh, I think it's the ED and, and the president of the board. Um, and again, you know, I have to say that, you know, some, you know, I, I had that pushback board in the title and uh, I put that in there because uh, I, I use the term yes board, a yes board and board of members that basically rub a stamp, everything. Um, the ED is usually very involved in who gets selected uh, to be in the board. That's a little bit of a job security kind of thing. Um And I always like the pushback board, which is more of a constructive criticism board where they're always raising the bar to look at how do we become more effective as an organization? How do our customers get better services? And can we measure all of that effectively to see if we're making progress?
1: Do you think that most executive directors want a pushback board?
0: Um, I I think that if if it was done the way I just said, I, I think for sure, When personalities, you know, get in the way in terms of, you know, styles of leadership or management, you know, that can cause some problems. But I think for the most part, you know, the EDs or CEOs that I talk to um, would welcome um, having a pushback board that's constructive and that's going to, you know, improve uh, the operation.
1: So let's face it, the the person who's the, the listener who's listening today is going to say, you know, I have a problem with my board. All right no one's going to listen to this uh, podcast today if they have if things are going well with the relationship with the board and, the, and that type of thing so if you're if the executive director or the board president or someone on the board knows that they're having an issue, what do, what do you think is one of the first steps that you need to kind of tackle?
0: I think it's uh, kind of doing the reality check and there's a series of questions you know that they uh, can ask, which is do they feel the organization is effectively leveraging? the board member talents and, and the board member networks to support the mission? Um, do they feel it's easy, that they finding it easy to attract and retain talented and, and committed board members? Um, do they see the kind of strong leadership from both the board officers and the members that's consistently throughout? Um, do they have, you know, performance evaluations of their board to, and, and a succession plan to develop new leadership? Uh, does, does the board have a foundational core knowledge, as I said before, about the organization and the system that it runs and are they fully engaged? And so I think the first step, you know, is really to kind of ask those questions and then determine what, depending on how those questions are, determine what, what to do next. And what you want to obviously do is to strengthen your board's ability to, to leave, uh, to lead rather in, in driving the organization's mission and brand. And, uh, you want to have governance practices, um, and member knowledge that is going to allow, um, it's going to help guide the board uh, in their work.
1: So what would be the next step? Let's say after you've done those things and you, you kind of say, you know, no, no, we have a problem here. We have a problem here. We have a problem here. What's kind of the next step that's involved?
0: I think the next step is to kind of formalize the process of um, coming together and, and building a, what I call a board uh, governance and development plan. It's a formal strategy um, that one puts together um, and you set up uh, an ad hoc committee of the board that has the um, challenge to put this plan together. And again, uh, one of the first things that has to happen in all of this is that they have to recognize that um, this effort is not going to be a one shot deal. This is going to be something that's going to be ongoing. um, And uh, what will happen is eventually that ad hoc committee will merge into becoming a formalized uh, board governance committee.
1: You know, have you have you noticed the change in the agenda when when the board meetings have now moved to Zoom versus when they were live? Are they much shorter when they were? I mean, how long is a typical board meeting that you found?
0: Yeah, the board meetings I've been anywhere from an hour to two hours in length. Okay, so um, for, for,
1: from a Zoom standpoint, that's not too bad. You could still kind of be on a Zoom call for that long, correct?
0: Yeah. I think that it, it can work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but have you seen that, and uh, even on the boards that you're on that the zoom meetings have the, the way that they are structured are now different, or would you recommend that a zoom meeting be structured differently than a, a meeting that was in person?
0: I, I, I think, you know, th- there's probably some relevance to that. I'm not sure that even though we've been doing it for like what, four or five months now that, um, You know the people have really thought about that, but I think that would be an interesting assessment to to kind of talk to other EDs and and board chairs to get their perspective uh, on this. But um, I'm always, uh, I think, like you probably and everybody that's listening, I I always like the face to face uh, interaction because I think I like to be able to read the body language, um, you know, and and when I'm running a meeting.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, I definitely do. I mean, I miss it. You know, I haven't had a face-to-face meeting in six months, you know, it's all been zoom and, you know, and phone. Right. Um, so have, have you been like, so let's say when, uh, uh, let's say when a non-profit board knows that they have a problem and they bring you on board to help them. Right. What, tell me a little bit about, you know, what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I think, as I said before, you know, you first want to have um, um, kind of an assessment done and you can use what I call a pulse survey. You kind of take the temperature of the board. And and I always recommend to my clients a series of three different um, pulse surveys as part of a overall process. As I mentioned earlier, you really want to put this uh, formal you want to make board development and governance kind of a formal plan that you you're going to be using and have this ad hoc committee that can kind of, you know, be responsible for driving it. And essentially you want to first look at, so whatever our goals and outcomes that we hope to get out of this uh, exercise. And I, and I think, you know, the next step is to look at the organization's, you know, um, core values. Um, what are those core values? What are those guiding principles that that uh, guide all the work of the organization? And um, then, you want to take a look at um, the mission, vision, and value proposition of the organization. In, at this, in these times, with all the changes that are occurring, um, you know, uh, over the years, a lot of nonprofits did a lot of mission creep where they were able to add on a lot of different programs. And that's when funding was plentiful. But now we know that funding is becoming scarcer and scarcer. And, and unfortunately, continued funding um, on an annual basis is hard to come by. So people keep writing grants, but grants don't last forever. And so um, you want to be able to look at um, um, that, and then you want to be able to look at defining the board leadership roles, and in looking at the defining leadership roles, that's another pulse survey that you can do, and just kind of you know take the temperature of your board to see how they are reviewing um, you know the leadership uh, of the organization um, and what where you have to make some uh, some changes, and then you're going to be looking at um, uh, the board knowledge. And this is, I think, one of the most critical steps uh, of the whole process here. This is where you're actually doing another Pulse survey, but you, you want to know where are the board members getting their information? What information do they have? Uh, what do they need to have more of uh, to make them more effective as, as an organization? Um, and then we uh, also look at, as part of this leadership role, one of the critical things that I think a lot of boards don't um, look at as much as they should is this whole advocacy strategy. Uh, especially if the, the nonprofit is receiving public dollars, either state or federal, um, you certainly want to have an advocacy stance in terms of using your board to really, uh, you know, testify at public hearings or to, to, to write letters of support, um, for some policy changes that you're looking for. And, uh, then you want to look at, um, creating what I call a knowledge platform, um, where, where are you going to, um, Educate your board and strengthen the board can it be through mission moments at the board meetings? can it be you know stakeholder um, uh, meetings? can it be a round table with philanthropic organizations? Can it be a meeting with your elected officials? Um, there's uh, many many ways that you can look at uh, doing this and then you want to have the strengthening of the board governance. How are your meetings run? Do you have a consent agenda? What is the structure of your executive committee? how are your do your standing committees versus ad hoc committees? Uh, and things like that, I know uh, going over a lot here, but this is a step process step by step process that didn't can be uh, formally uh in a, in a formal framework uh, as a as a board uh, governance and development plan
1: so I mean I guess the very first most important thing is they you know the board needs to feel that they have a problem and they and they got to really say listen we we got to improve here it, right that's that's the first thing
0: yeah and that and and again, um this is where the pulse survey can help the e d because oftentimes he or she probably has a good sense of things, but you know when you do a um a pulse survey and and you you protect <laughs> the responses in a, in a private way, you might get some really good feedback that you you might not get at a board meeting, and so you can do that and and have some really interesting comments you know that come back uh from from board members for sure.
1: have you found a tool that's already built? that allows you to to ask these questions. I mean, I'm not talking about SurveyMonkey or I'm talking about a nonprofit, um, you know, a consultant like yourself who has, or I don't know, some other software that's out there that allows you to kind of easily have these questions and send them out to people so that they can anonymously um, answer.
0: Yeah, we do. We we use SurveyMonkey, you know, for the surveys we've done with our boards uh, for our clients. And, it, and it's worked out fairly well because good yeah. about it is it summarizes all the, you know, all the different questions and the data and gives you good uh, feedback uh, in, in terms of the narrative uh, responses as well.
1: What do you find with the the um, the board leadership? Do, you, do they typically, the board leader stays there for a long period of time or does he or she, does it rotate every year? Um, what do you usually find?
0: Um, I, I, I find it all over the place. There's board members. Uh, well, I think- you know, some boards have term limits. Um, I know that for for most boards that I'm I've worked with, they um, you know they basically the this the uh, president can serve usually one possibly two terms. But I've been in other organizations where board members have been there like thirty years, <laughs> and and uh, so it really depends. It's really all over the place in terms of the structure. But it's those bylaws. This is the other thing as you as you do this formal board. Uh, governance and development plan. You know, part of that governance is to look at the the bylaws of the organizations to say, all right, what's working, what isn't working, what do we have to change?
1: Yeah, I mean, do you think uh, wouldn't don't you think the first place, let's say you're having a problem with the board in general, it's not being run well. It's the board is bored. Um, do you think that the the first instinct is to I hate to say it, blame the um, the chairman of the board or the person who's supposed to be running the board meetings?
0: I think that's, uh, I think that's usually what can happen. And that's why I'm saying is that my advice to organizations is don't wait for that to happen. <laughs> if it hasn't happened already, that's why I'm saying we were always into this reactive mode and everything. We have to be more proactive. Uh, and this is one way to do that, where if you have a new you know, a new uh, board chair coming on and, and you obviously know this person because they have been serving on the board. It's one of those things where you say, you know, what is your priority as, as, as board chair? And what do you want to see accomplished in the next year besides what we're required to do as an organization? Um, what is it that you would like to see? What's the one or two things that you want to see from where you sit? Um, and then that's when you can start that whole process that I talked about where you can do the pulse surveys and start to get some sense from people you know, what's on their minds, what do they think that areas that they feel that could be improvement.
1: And I guess if you also, if you get a really good format down about how your board meetings are run, um, and, uh, and, and maybe you allow some creativity from whosoever the board chairman, um, then, then the, the meetings will have a structure to it that it won't matter who the, uh, board chairman is at the time because they'll have a format And, uh, you know, and I guess you could build an agenda that has some creativity parts to it. Um, Is that the structure that you're talking about?
0: Yeah, the the creativity part is, you know, as I said, you know, I'm a big believer of consent uh, agendas. The other thing um, that I did over my career, too, is to create, you know, the dashboard reports. So um, in more boards that I've been on when the the chair of the finance uh, committee or budget committee would give this long report. Everybody would pretty much agree with that individual's assessment really, without really understanding anything that he or she was saying. And so I think it's so good to create a one-page dashboard that can kind of more visually show members, you know, the flow of the finances and out of the organization. And you can do that. We used to do it for dashboards, for communications in terms of social media. We did it for operations. Uh, we did it for communications. And so you have all of these different um, dashboards. And so as a board member, again, as I said before, you're trying to create that knowledge platform, which is going to serve to um, uh, continually spoon feed in a way, uh, you know, board members with information and understanding. And again, when they're looking at numbers all the time, I mentioned the mission moments before where you can bring in maybe a, a, a customer, a client that you've been working with and it's a success story. So then it really puts a face on the numbers.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's be clear too, on on that dashboard, what are some common numbers or common areas that, you know, which you would have on it?
0: Yeah, I I think like for, um, I gave the one about communications and, 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 um, social media. So obviously if you're using Facebook, Instagram, or whatever, uh, website, you can track the kind of, um, activity that's occurring on all of those different platforms. And so you can then look at that and see how is that affecting, um, You know, the communication from your organization, the people in the the broader community, your customers, your stakeholders, your funders, um, are they getting this information spoon fed to them and they can see progress and things that you're doing without receiving just a report uh, or having a meeting to go over, um, you know, the performance of a particular grant?
1: Right, right, right. I guess you'd also, you know, you would have, okay, how much money have we raised this past month what are we doing year to date what what was our what was our plan how are we doing against our plan um, how, what are our expenses right now you know all, all those key we uh, key performance indicators would be on that dashboard as absolutely.
0: well absolutely I absolutely mean, and i think the other thing too is is that you know trying to have um within the board governance structure the thing i recommend to clients too is it's kind of um you have your strategic priorities And then you should, each of your standing committees, they would come up with a work plan. It's a one-page work plan, kind of like a dashboard. And and basically, it's talking about what that committee is going to get done that's aligning with those strategic priorities that you have. And then that plan becomes the work of that standing committee for the whole year. And on each quarter, the chair of that standing committee reports out uh, on that dashboard in terms of what progress they're making and how it aligns and supports not only the strategic priorities, but the mission of the organization.
1: Yeah. I would, I would also think too, just by stating um, to the board members that it's their job to push back can go a long way in having members that push back.
0: Right. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: No, no, you go ahead.
0: No, no, go ahead. You can finish your sentence. Cause I think we, I think you, I think I know where you're going with this, but go ahead.
1: Well, I just think that um, sometimes just the act of improvement is is stating that um, you know you have a pro- We have a problem, and that our you know our board members are their job is to push back, and it's okay to ruffle some feathers a little bit um, in in the idea that we want to be better at, at what we're doing because. I mean, a lot of people on the board may not be, may be uncomfortable with alienating anybody. So they don't say anything.
0: Right. But that's where the survey comes in because then they can express, maybe they didn't want to do it in an open forum, but they can express it um, through a survey that, that uh, is, you know, protected.
1: Yeah. The problem with the survey though, too, is, you know, if you only have four or five people on your board, sometimes you can zero in on who's Oh, said sure. It. No,
0: right. No, I mean, for the smaller boards, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. But I just wanted to uh, mention one other thing, uh, Steve, too, is that, you know, for all the different surveys um, that my firm has done with different boards, um, you know, we kind of have some common threads that we're seeing um, when we're taking, I call it taking the temperature because it's a pulse survey. You know, the themes that are coming up is the size of the board. You know, that that always comes up. Sometimes nonprofits might have a regulatory component because of the funding they're receiving, which is going to tell them, you know, some specific guidelines. Um, but also the other thing that came up was engagement and utilization. Um, many felt that they, that they wasn't engaging enough at the meetings, that their talents really, weren't being utilized or leveraged, uh, in the way that they thought they were going to be. Um, and they always just came out. The other thread is more information, more information, more information, but not in an overwhelming way, but in a way that, you know, we can understand so that we can be more effective and be more engaged and more supportive. And, um, you know, the other part that I think is really critical, too, uh, if you get the structure in place, is to really create that annual performance evaluation of the board as a whole, as well as individual board members. And that's where that governance committee, which starts out, as I said, as an ad hoc committee that's putting together this board governance and development plan to be implemented. Then they're the same committee that will, on the other end, uh, will, will be monitoring the performance and evaluating, uh, you know, how, how effective the board is in carrying out that plan.
1: What do you think the the role you know? What do you think the role of the government's uh, committee is?
0: Well, the governance committee really is 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 oversight oversight of the of the board governance and, and development plan, all the aspects, the leadership platform, the knowledge platform, the governance structure platform, uh, where you are trying to improve in all those areas, and so I think you know. Th- that oversight of, of that whole process is, is, is really essential. And also doing the evaluations um, of board members, because again, if board members are missing meetings um, um, and you have bylaws, and I've seen it so many times where um, the bylaws aren't really being effectively adhered to. And uh, if, if if you don't set that precedent that you know if you're going to be a board member, that means you have to be at these meetings. And yet we're going to do our part so that when you come to these meetings, <laughs> you're going to be... Wanting to participate because you're going to have the knowledge, you're going to have the understanding, you're going to be heard, and it will be done in a way that can be most effective for you and for the for the board and for the organization.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I a lot of the listeners that are listening to us, they they tend to be smaller organizations, so they're you know under five million dollars in revenue, um, and you know more likely you know around a million. Um, I, I think a lot of times from what I hear is that. They have problems recruiting board members, so it's like you—if you make it mandated that someone attends a certain amount of meetings and they don't, he, sometimes it's hard to just let them go because you have—you don't have somebody waiting in the wings.
0: No, you're absolutely right, and, and it is—it's a challenge um, for the smaller uh, uh, nonprofits. I had a client, uh, a smaller one, that was like under a million dollars, and they had a board of about nine people, and, and wow, that was. That's that a big was that, yeah, it was in, well, they were statewide, but that was, an, that was an issue, you know, absolutely for them. But they, you know, allowed people to be able to call in if they couldn't make the meeting. Uh, they could be allowed to do that once or twice a year or whatever. There was a, You couldn't do it every single time. But that way, if the person couldn't physically drive uh, to the board meeting, of course, now Zoom and everything's different. But um, they, they tried to relax that a little bit to, to uh, have the, the uh, uh, participation rate stay high.
1: At a million dollar uh, nonprofit, how many people should be on that board?
0: I think it's, you know, it depends, I think, on what, what the organization is doing. And, um, you know, the one I referred to is, was dealing in the whole child advocacy area. And so if you think about that, it's a pretty broad area. So you really want to get people that have, you know, a wide range of perspectives, you know, dealing with, with that, um, or with the young people coming out of the, um, out of the judicial system. And so you want to have all those key stakeholders probably sitting uh, on, on your board. That's the other thing that, you know, is, is important too, is, is that board representation should include um, stakeholder partners um, that you're working with because, you know, these are the people that you really count on in a more strategic way to get to the best outcomes you can as an organization. So inviting them to your table, um, and hopefully they do the same, then it, that's the whole collective impact conversation, uh, and that collective impact conversation can also help in, in times when funding is being reduced.
1: Tom, let's let's uh, let's be frank. Is it? Uh, let's. It seems like if your board's having a problem, um, it 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 must be really tough not to right this ship without bringing someone like yourself in. Would you agree with that?
0: I, an ideal situation um, that would probably be good, but sometimes people are, they're so busy with the day to day operations, putting out fires that they they don't have the time to really think this through or to provide have the guidance you know to follow through on something like this, and to be able to have an you know a consultant come in that you know has that practical experience as well as the um, theoretical experience to be able to put it together. I think a lot of them look at that as as an asset for them.
1: Yeah, I would. I agree with you. I think it's more, especially nowadays, a money issue. I mean, everyone's being pinched. uh, You know, really worrying about the funding. Um, Do do they? You know, I, I. It's you know, is it? It's kind of like a penny smart and dollar foolish, right? I mean, do you do you really spend the money on a consultant to come in to write your ship for your board, or do you just you know live with it?
0: You know, sometimes it's, I think, just the act of a facilitation component um, to kind of ask the questions, you know, that need to be asked by someone else instead of them asking the questions sometimes can bring out a really good dialogue and a really good problem-solving exercise. Um, and you just try to keep the boundaries, you know, clearly defined. And so no one really steps on anybody's toes personally because you don't want it to get personal. Yeah. And you just try to provide that guidance to get them to a process. I had a client where we were going through this is a smaller one, another small client, and uh, we were going through the whole process of board governance and trying to strengthen the board. And we did a, a retreat on a Saturday um, that was a half a day, and uh, it took a half a day to redo the mission vision statement. It took us three hours to get through that.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, that pretty committed board, though, right? <laughs> yeah, they're very committed. They yeah. are. So we we have a couple minutes left. Um, so. What else would you kind of say to people who are really trying to get their board better?
0: Um, I think, you know, first is is to try to do their own assessment of, of each board member um, and kind of this, you know, this is a private thing to do, but just kind of say, each board member kind of maybe do a series of questions to develop in terms of, you know, how long have they been on the board? What committees did they serve in? How effective are they at the meetings? You know, just to get a sense of who and you kind of know that already in a way, you know, who who the board members are that, but who are the ones that really are on board, get it, are, are moving forward, who are the ones that aren't and how do you, you know try to interact to try to strengthen them or maybe potentially move them off the board and bring someone else in that, uh, you know, can can help out. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, the ad hoc committees are a perfect way to bring in non-board members that can be used um as potential future board members, because they'll have an opportunity to get to know the organization a little bit better in an ad hoc role.
1: Great. All good stuff. So I'd like to thank so very much Tom Phelps from TL Phelps uh, Consulting Services. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a review review on your podcasting app to help us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at www.nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Tom, if anyone wants to reach out to you, how would they go about doing that?
0: Uh, Two ways. My website is uh, tlphillipsconsulting.com. And uh, my email is tom at tlphillipsconsulting.com.
1: And that's Phillips with two L's, correct?
0: Phillips with two L's.
1: Yep. Great. Well, Tom, great stuff. I really appreciate you coming on board today.
0: It was great, Steve, and I really appreciate the opportunity.
1: Yep. And to all our listeners, um, I know you all are working really hard and I just want to thank you for all making the world a better place.